0: They said it couldn't be done. Independence was impossible. Through fear-mongering and other forms of negative rhetoric, they made you give up on your dreams. Well now, it's time to prove them all wrong. It's time to blow up the system and change the world. And we've got the man who did it. Broadcasting from studios in Atlanta, Georgia, This is Outliers. Here's your host, visionary and founder of Fedora Outlier, LLC, Vashon Jones. Microphone check, one, two, one, two.
1: We are back with the Delivering Access Podcast season. I don't even know what season it is, but I do know who we have on the line today is somebody super, super empowering, someone that you guys are not going to want to wait to hear from. I'd like for you all to put your hands together for my friend, and now yours, Ms. Sharonda White. Sharonda, how are you today?
2: I am absolutely amazing and wonderful. How about you?
1: I am better than excellent. How about that?
2: I like that
1: answer. I like that answer. <laughs> See, I told you yesterday that today I would be feeling much, much better, and life has progressed. You
2: did say that. <laughs> you you said you were slipping into well, so it sounds like well has overtaken you.
1: Hey, there you go. There you <laughs> go. And I hope you guys listening are doing marvelously well yourselves. So let's get into it. Sharonda, tell us, when you was a little teeny girl, you had pigtails, and— um, you were running around In what city were you born? How did you become blind? Tell us about that.
2: You must've known me when I was a kid. Cause I didn't have pictures. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think everyone, <laughs> every girl did.
2: That is too hilarious. Yep. Um, I grew up in Detroit, Michigan,
1: mm.
2: um, and, um, on, in a neighborhood, uh, Six Mile and, uh, and Davidson area, all the Detroiters living on the east side. <laughs> um, and uh, I was born blind. Uh, basically, um, my father and I agree that it was probably due to his exposure to Agent Orange. But I have what's called optic nerve hypoplasia, which means that my optic nerves did not develop when I was born
1: by the time I was born. Mm, mm. So definitely living in Detroit, I would imagine you've seen a lot of changes, the auto industry, the whole uh, city of uh, Detroit changing and, you know, thinking back now because you're in a different state. Where are you at now?
2: Uh. Yep. It's, it's been a lot. There has been a lot. Um, Detroit definitely um, is a different landscape than it was when I was, living there when I was a kid. Lots of, back then, lots of festivals, lots of uh, just a hubbub of of friendly people. Back in the day, I remember playing with the kids on the block, you know. (laughs) Um, Big wheels and tricycles and going over people's houses and, you know, bringing out my keyboard and just, you know, just having fun with everybody. And to be truthful, I'm actually friends with some of the folks on Facebook that I grew up with. So that's pretty
1: interesting. Mm, the big wheel. Well, if you had a big wheel, that means y'all had a candy lady somewhere nearby. Oh, you know. <laughs>
2: we had a, a store, a corner store. You know, we, uh, we could get it all at the corner store.
1: I know that's right. I know that's right. And so you were born blind, um, so you don't know what having full sight in the sense of your eyes are concerned, but how did you navigate being a, a child, not being able to see and knowing that something was different with your other friends that could see?
2: Um, Yeah, that, that is true. Um, You know, haven't been able to see in the natural, but my mom always, um, <laughs> told me there was a big world out there and she was the person who stimulated my mind. Um uh, my mom is a great lady. Uh she would she would basically take me through the process of deduction and I mean all type of thinking exercises and if this is not happening what do you think is happening? And, you know, it was basically developing my mental abilities and my mental capabilities to make it in this world. And so um, it is something that I, I see uh, has been a benefit for me uh, living on this earth
1: these few years that i've been here i know that's right and parents are very important my mom used to always tell me in that same vein that a handicap is only in the mind and that you can do that's right whatever it is that you want to do and so that's right yeah definitely so so you mentioned the keyboard is um music part of your dna or what's the deal with the keyboard
2: um, okay, I want to answer that, but I do want to say, you know, before before I answer that, that it's empowering to have people in your surroundings that um, that see into your future and can speak into your present. Mm. You know, um, you know, somebody that can say, hey, you know, you are somebody. You are going to do great things in this world and i just want to give a shout out to those people in our lives mm-hmm. that are able to do that um it's a wonderful skill and it's something even as we as blind people should develop for our community and for other people it's just too many too many people in the world that you know are used to living by the status quo and living by traditional means and what their family told them about what blind folks can do and can't do. So mm-hmm. we, you know, who have been blessed and empowered and allowed and chose to move forward need to always reach back and grab somebody else
3: mm-hmm. and
2: help them to to experience the future that um, that they have in front of them. So, sorry about that. <laughs> no, <am>
1: we're a- <laughs> going to get into it for sure.
2: <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I am a minister, so you know you got the first, second, and third clothes. Hey, like, you know? know anyway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, oh, yes, um, I do play um, the keyboard, and uh, it's something that I've done since I was young. Um, I uh, have. I can pretty much, you know, tell notes and stuff by ear Mm -hmm. and figure out songs and music. And um, I did learn to read a little Braille music, don't remember much. But, you know, Um, yep, I play and I also sing. Um, In fact, um, speaking of that, I was uh, the first place winner in the talent show of this year's National Federation of the Blind uh, National Convention. So...
1: Mm, hold on. Okay, so now I'm at. Um, you were at the convention. Yeah,
2: you know I was at the convention. You
1: called me. I called you. I'm trying to figure out why and I talked to you. Yeah. You okay? I'm trying to remember. Boom, boom, boom. So why we never got together? I mean, what? what I don't know. Okay. All right. How do I know? <laughs> okay, but before you turn that
2: back on, okay. Listen, uh, I go by the name of White. I don't go by Greenlaw because I ain't married to him. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. so I don't go by that name. Okay. So, okay I just watch you to throw that. So yeah. I know you got the ability to edit the Okay. And that's the only thing I want you to edit. The
1: can you do that for me? Uh huh. Uh huh. We can do I that. I thought you might be able to. <laughs> we yeah. can make that happen. Got you. Got you. Yeah. So this thing with employment, like, what was your your first job? Like, what was the the first job that actually gave you a paycheck?
2: The first job that actually gave me a paycheck, I worked for the Center for Independent Living that was in Detroit, Michigan. And I actually, um, went to get that job. I, I, I was a student there for, for a minute. And then, um, I, I wanted to volunteer there. I wanted to find a way to give back to the disability community that I was a part of. And, um, I actually went to the, uh, the, the, the company manager or whatever and I said you know I know that you used to give uh, people a chance but you don't have anybody here that's blind that means that you've never given a blind person a chance and so um, <laughs> I want to be that person that you give a chance to, to really work here and uh, I said, you're aware of my skills you've seen me volunteer you've seen me do all kinds of things now I would like to work for this company. And she was blown away. Um, But uh in, in that, I had to sell myself because she's like, well, what can you do? What can you not do? And I was like, I can use a computer. I can answer phones. I can do all kinds of things. And uh, my computer skills were pretty um, close to zero. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm the type of person that if you give me an opportunity and it's something that I want to do, believe me, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she did. She gave me an opportunity and um, I asked for phones. I I took messages. I, you know, gave them to the proper people. And then I ended up teaching classes and just um, doing all kinds of things for that center. So.
1: Mm. Okay. And so from there you moved to doing what?
2: So that particular center closed okay. and uh, another center for independent living opened in its place. And I worked there until I moved to Arizona in 2006. Um, And um, basically at that center, I did a lot of the same things except I also became an advocate and a and a mentor for many of the uh people with disabilities that came through the center um and uh, so that meant I got a chance to really get down one on one in people's business and uh, and I like that. You know what I'm saying? I'm one of those people that's gonna tell it to you like you need to hear it, <laughs> and uh, not just <laughs> not just tell it to you, but try and help you where from where you are to get you to you know the next place, the next destination. <laughs> <laughs> so um, after that, I moved to Arizona, and I, I began working for the state of Arizona. Um, and and I had done some of this in Detroit too, working mm. uh doing some A T work, but um I, I did that for the state. That was my first job here in Arizona is to be an AT instructor.
1: Hmm. Okay, okay. So your transition from being a young lady and going into the the field of just helping people, advocacy and assistive technology and helping people with disabilities. Was that something that was kind of natural for you to to do and help and assist or, you know, how did that all kind of happen for you to be in the disability world and work?
2: Yeah, it's pretty natural for me. Um, I, I like to say that I'm a extrovert with an introvert side, Um, and so um, I've always loved people, and I've always loved my people in the disability community. I've always been a leader in my community since I was a child, Um, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, I feel like God has blessed me um, with people in my past. Who have helped me to come out of some of the craziest slumps, the slump of depression, the mm-hmm. slump, you know, of, of just feeling sorry for myself. Um, the slump of, you know, I don't know what I'm gonna do with myself and maybe nothing is gonna happen. They helped me to dream, they helped me to to think and to to um, you know, just kind of envision and um they they've helped to empower me. And so I've always had that desire, um, because I know that not everybody has people like that in their lives. And so, um, you know, we who have people like that are the ones that are supposed to be that good Samaritan, right? Mm -hmm. Not just pass folk on the side of the road and be like, oh, I hope they make it, right? We're supposed to be those people that, you know, see somebody and pick them up and help them to get to that next spot. Am I declaring that there's a difference between, you know, like we're not talking about caste for people like in India, but we all need somebody. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and um, you know, uh, I endeavor to be one of those somebody that someone else needs. Mm. Um because, because after all, I have needed somebody, and continue. We all need each other, really. Mm-hmm. If we were, you know, created as as just, you know, a hermit, then we'd be on islands. But we are not. We're 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 here together to work together.
1: Yep, uh, I know Charlemagne. Uh, the God says, "If you can't be used, you're useless." And I really, really looked at that as um, being well, I like true. That. It's funny that you mentioned that because me being an advocate and and doing the things that I do, I oftentimes want to give up because I just feel like things, I mean, it's almost like yelling at a group of people through a glass wall. It's like, can't you see that there is something different than the things that you experience, the things that you're going through? And it's like people just don't get it and then it's this one person that Vashon, I, I get it. And then, you know, it keeps me going, but it's like creating a record that nobody buys, but you know, it's a hit. You know what I mean? I'm like, Oh,
2: I do. I, I do. I know what you're saying. Um, it, it does get tired. Sometimes the time it doesn't, you do want to give up. Um, but, but we fight for the one, right? We fight mm-hmm. for the one or the two, you know, um, we we fight because there is one person that is going to do it, and maybe they'll reach back and get somebody else. You know, um, it's, it is a lonely battle many times. Um, even, even in a big group of people, you know, you can have people advocating for different causes, for different things, and the only thing that holds us together is that we're fighting. Um, but but each person is important, and somebody found it important enough to come and find me and to get me and to find you and to get you. You know, it sounds like your mom was, was that influential person in your life that mm-hmm. said, hey, you can do this. You got this, mm-hmm. you know. and 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 there are so many people, unfortunately, that don't have that. Like, I learned that. When I worked for the Center for Independent Living, I met so many people, um, you know, in the past who who lived in the past, mm-hmm. meaning that um, their kids with disabilities were kids to be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. And so they put their kids in the back in the corner of the dark, mm-hmm. you know, just sit back here and listen to TV and you know, don't come out the house until I tell you and all that kind of stuff and and uh and so unfortunately they miss so much of the world. Um but the but the parents who said, Hey, you need to experience this world. You need to do that. Um, you know, those those are amazing people. And they've helped us to be amazing. And we grab somebody else and say, hey, we're taking you on the trail to amazing. (laughs) It's it's that, you know, it's that pioneer spirit. It really is. The spirit that's a pioneer,
1: you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of funny because it brings me back in my childhood. I never really knew anyone that was disabled. I didn't know anyone that was blind. You know, I could see... You know, for the most part, but I still had a visual impairment. And Mm -hmm. I'm in school in the regular classes. And so when I get into the disability community as i became blind and got older i found out about independent living centers and then of course there's a you know a myriad of other people with other types of disabilities and you're okay. right it's mm-hmm. genius in each and every one of us of course cuz god made us but just mm-hmm. seeing the unique abilities in other people, I would imagine, you felt the same way working at an independent living center and being able to see other people with disabilities.
2: Mm-hmm. It, it was it, it was very interesting, and I I used to love to sit down with people and ask them their story, you know, mm-hmm. because um, you could gain information and gain, you know. Um, concepts and, and different things from people's stories, from people's lives. And um and I still love to do that, you know. Just hey, tell me tell me about this and tell me about that. And that's the cool thing about history. I don't know how I got to this, but history, uh, <laughs> I guess, is how I got there. Right. But um you know we we need history. We need this stuff to help us to move forward into the future. We need people's stories to help us um, to gain wisdom and understanding. And um, and and I guess that's what I used to, that's what I like to listen to is people's stories. And, um, you know, it helps us avoid roadblocks or it even can give us strength, you know, mm-hmm. to keep moving, you know. Um, I, I once met this guy who used to be a boxer when I worked for the Center for the a Living. And, you know, he was, Uh, I don't know what league he was in, but I guess he said he was kind of well-known. And, you know, now he had a disability. And this guy was just as happy and moving on and moving forward. And I was just like, I mean, it seemed like I met him on a day where I was tired. You know what I'm Mm -hmm, saying? mm -hmm. And and it helped me to say, okay, look at him. He's moving on. He's moving forward. Let me continue to do the same,
1: Mm. you know. Mm. And that's the same thing with, with music and song. It'll lift you up. And let's go back to this True. NFB National Convention that we talked that I did not know you was <laughs> performing at, but I actually met um well, no, I met you in Baltimore at a yeah. chapter development thing. Yeah. But I remember going yeah. to Detroit that we do the national convention in Detroit. Yes. Yeah. Yes, oh. yes, okay. we saw each other back in Virginia too. Yep. Right. Okay. So you were talent showing then, and um, I don't think you and won. And I won. Then. Oh, you won? Yes. Okay. So how many talent shows have you won for the NMD? <laughs>
2: um, two. I uh, in Detroit. I. Uh, Came through, I was just having fun. Like, I was just kind of like, mm-hmm. let me just test my skills and see what I can do. Uh, and uh, I did the Star Spangled Banner. Right, um, right. You know, without without music, I was just like, oh, let me just try this out. Mm. And, uh, oh, it was amazing. It was so fun. And then um, this year, I I won again. So, yeah, I've done three talent shows, but won twice.
1: Okay, okay. What did you do this time?
2: Um, so in Arizona for our state convention, uh, last, last year, we wrote a parody to Ghostbusters and it basically is called Mythbusters. It's about all the myths that seems like sighted people believe about blind people. And, uh, so, you know, we, you know, things like When you go to the restaurant and the waiter talks to all your side of friends and says, what does he want or what does she want? Or you stand at the curb, right? (laughs) Or you stand at the curb and somebody wants to take your cane while you're trying to cross Mm. the street. You know, all that kind of stuff, all these myths that keep perpetuating throughout society. And uh, basically, we are the Mythbusters, mm-hmm. and so it was—it was a fun show, um, and I really enjoyed it. And uh, so that's what I did for, for this year's convention.
1: Yeah, those myths, man, and I, um, I, I just talk about them because it's so crazy. Stuff like people with disabilities—they don't have money and. They can't be assisted uh-huh. technology instructors. They might know uh-huh. the software, but they can't teach it. And I realized uh-huh. in every industry now, you know, from the newspaper industry to the car industry, everything is no more gatekeepers. There's nobody stopping us from having an entry into whatever we want to do. And it's such a, uh, you know, a myth of, oh, you need this person with these credentials that has a master's degree and something that has nothing to do with disabilities to teach you. And I'm like, that's a bunch of crap. I'm blind. I cross the street every day. You think I can't teach another person how to do that same thing? Come on. That's right. (laughs) Or trail the sidewalk (laughs) or go get groceries. I mean, do I really need a master's degree and a certification in something that I live every day? I mean, let's let be it. real. That's it. <laughs> your your certification is your life.
2: Right, right. You're certified to teach this stuff because you because it is your life.
1: Yep, <laughs> yep. And I can guarantee mm-hmm. you get a, a totally different result than these um, okay. professionals. They call exactly them, so. <laughs> exactly. Yep. So employment and this is something I'm big on, um, and you. Living with a disability and being able to assist people with disabilities where the common goal for vocational rehabilitation and, um, you know, all of that is geared towards people with disabilities actually finding or creating um, work that's meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. What's some of the, the things that you see that's really stopping a culture from not moving forward and being successful when it comes to employment?
2: Um, you know, I would say, um, once again that, you know, misinformation in a community, you know, or should I say in society, you know, it, it can be a barrier to, to, uh, uh, us getting employment. But you know, some of the things that I see, um, of course have to do with us as people, we need to get that training, right? Mm-hmm. We need to have um, self-esteem high enough to believe that we can succeed, right? Mm-hmm. There's gonna be more no's than there are yeses, mm-hmm. And we can't fall out on the first no. You know, we have to believe that that first no and that second no is only getting us closer to that yes. Am I saying there aren't gonna be bad days? No, I'm not saying that at all. But the only person that can sell you is you. The only person that can say good things about your skills uh, is you. Mm-hmm. And then when you say these things, you need to have the training and the, and you know, the wisdom to be able to do the things that you say you can do. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, there are a lot of people that say they have all types of skills, but... Um, but can you can you accomplish the things that are on your resume that you said you could do? Can you do them better, at least, or to the same ability as your cited peers? Mm-hmm. We need to rise above. Not we don't even need to be at the same level. We need to rise above. We need to be those people that um, agencies and companies say, "I got to have her. I <laughs> have to have him." Mm-hmm. You know, uh, not only do they present well, but, you know, I mean, they look nice. You know, we need to be concerned about how we present to others. And um, this is kind of a big thing for me uh, because I know many times, as people who are totally blind, uh, like well, myself, our focal point or our center point may not be the world outside of us. And so, um, you know, we look however we want to look, <laughs> mm-hmm. which a lot of times is not good. Um, and, and we think it's okay. Well, this is the way I want to do things. This is the way I want to feel. This is where I want to be. But if you want to be accepted by the world, you need to look like something to the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so... Um, you 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 need to set have a, have at least one eye, you know, focused on what do I look like to the world? Do my clothes match? Does my hair look good? Are my teeth brushed? You know, mm-hmm. do I present well? Um, do you know? Do I speak? Well, all of these things are very important in employment. And so um I guess those are the things I have to say, because I look like I'm trying to take a second close.
1: So <laughs> almost, almost. <laughs> so the, the stuff that you spoke about, that's stuff that can be taught. But if you don't know it, it's like you don't know what you don't know. And that's what's surprising to me is people don't know what dressing well looks like. I mean, you got men that are sighted and, you know, their wife have to pick out and match their clothes. So it's not just a disabled thing. It's, it's a, you know, a human, you know, thing, but are those types of things really being taught or is kind of like, you know, in the, in the centers and in places that I see, it's like, They'll talk about you, but they will not talk to you in a mentorship, apprenticeship type of way. So how are we tackling those issues for real, for real?
2: That is a very good uh, question and comment. Um, You know, um, five years ago, I stopped working for the state, and uh, I worked for an uh, agency that contracts with VR, Call savvy services for the blind mm. and i have to I have to throw this out there because um and it's not because I work with them but or for them, but I really appreciate um this place they really do hold people to a higher standard than what a lot of these agencies hold people to um i have we have classes on how do you put on makeup how do you shave. How let's go to the store. Let's go to author. Let's go and um check out, you know, how do you cut your hair? How do you do because they are necessary and they're the soft skills that really can keep a person from being gainfully employed. Like a lot of times we go to school, we have masters degrees, we got some folks even have doctorates or whatever degrees. But they don't have people skills. They don't have soft skills. And you are so right. These are the skills. They should be taught at home, okay? Mm -hmm. They should be. Mm -hmm. But many times they're not. And so um, we need those teachers. We need those mentors (laughs) that don't mind a person getting mad at them uh, but appreciating them in the end because they, they were willing to, teach somebody how to do things and I just gotta say I used to be that person you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. hey I mean my focus was I don't care how I look I'm just gonna do what I wanna do you know and and somebody came to me and was like, okay, you know, you cannot wear that to work. Like, I mean, you cannot. It's not that it doesn't look nice, but it's not business casual. And we need to discuss what business casual is. We need to have this discussion. And was I comfortable with that? No, I didn't like it. But I had enough faith in this person that I knew that they had my best interest at heart. And so we need to open up and we need to, if we don't have those mentors, find a person, ask a person, Mm -hmm. get information, gain it the best way that you can, you know, go to the store, say, hey, I need to get something that's business casual. Can you help me? They have folks in the store that'll help you Mm -hmm. get outfits that look nice. We need to be those people that use the skills that are available to us to do what is necessary.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I had a counselor one time tell me that you can just wear khakis in a polo like I do. And I'm thinking, I'm trying to close, you know, six-figure deals. You think I'm going to be able to do that in a khaki, and a polo shirt? I'm like, no, I need a new right. counselor. Yeah. So we had a director and her boss and everybody at a meeting. I'm like, you can't be telling people this, because I think what I wanted was a system um, or what I was expressing was I wanted to create a system by which my suits, my ties, my shirts, my socks and shoes, belt, all matched. That's a whole bunch of matches. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That is a lot of matches. <laughs> and so I needed to be able to do that. And she said, well, why are you doing all that? You can just wear some khakis and a polo. I'm like, oh, see, this is what you're telling people I see <laughs> why they're not mm-hmm. getting jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was kind of kind of crazy. How'd you um get into the ministry?
2: Um. Well... As you can probably tell, I'm pretty preachy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you can say mm-hmm, it's All okay. Right. You still be my friend <laughs> after the show. All uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, you know, basically, um, I've I've always had a love for for um, reading and studying um, the Bible, and and um, like I said, being a leader. I just, you know, I'm thankful for people that saw that in me, you know, um, um, and and they were willing to ordain me, um, in, in the gospel. So, you know, um, I'm not one of those people, like it's it's cool if I if I get to deliver a sermon in front of people, but every day is a sermon, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like every day is the day that I get to preach and uh I actually had somebody tell me that one day in a church like she was like, Yeah, I don't know if you're gonna preach today and I was like, you know what? I really don't care because every day is a sermon. Every day I get up, I'm preaching something to somebody. Mm. But uh, but I have I have um you know, um preached in front of crowds of people and, you know, gone back to Detroit and preached and preached here and in Arizona and different
1: things like that. Mm. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Do you know Dr. Eric Thomas from Detroit? I um, do not. The preacher? But it sounds like
2: somebody I might need to know.
1: Oh, man. I know. I don't. Yeah, he's super big from, um. what is that? Is it Lancaster, Michigan? Langston? Somewhere with an L. <laughs> Where Mary, Marianne yeah. is from, but I, I can't remember which one. But I'll shoot you over a link. What time do you usually get up in the morning?
2: Oh, I'm usually up around uh, seven your time. Seven or eight. 'Cause that's four or five my time. You know, I'll be wide awake. Mm. having to get up and get ready for, for work. Yeah, gotcha. um, but and it's perfect.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm gonna invite you to um something this Wednesday morning. It's actually six thirty our time. But um That's cool. Yeah. And it's gonna be it's gonna be very, very empowering. Um, But cool. So listen, we're about to close. Think about this question, then come back with an amazing response. So you only have one word to preach to everyone in the world that's disabled. What would that message be and why? One word. Not one word as in a singular word, but... Gospel oh, word, Pray, like <laughs> <that. laughs> <laughs> 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 No, nah, I mean, Dang, what's I'm the like, one message? What's the message, and and why is that message so important for us to know?
2: Ooh. Um, I think my <coughs> biggest message would be that um that you. Are your biggest advocate and keep fighting. You know, it doesn't matter what you've learned in the past, how you grew up, what you did. You know, there's always something new to learn. There's always something, uh, some new growth that we can all have. And, um, you know, sometimes we want to give our advocacy or our future over to somebody else. But the future is in your own hands. You're the one that can shape and create your future. You, um, you know, no matter what's gone on in the past, you need to dare to dream, dare to dream about what you want and whatever you put in your mind is what you move towards. So whatever is in your thinking is what you are magnetized to. And so, um, You know, put good thoughts, think about what you want, think about your life, think about your future and keep fighting for it. And you will indeed uh, succeed to that level. And if you didn't get to that level, you'll be closer than you've ever
1: been. Mm. Amazing. Amazing. All right. Well, we have taken a small glimpse into the life and time of Sharonda White and we definitely appreciate you for being on, for sharing with us. I know you're at work and you got to get back to it. But um, until the next time, we appreciate
0: you. We love you. Thank you. I love y'all. Thank you for this opportunity. You have been listening to Outliers, an official production of the Delivering Access Network. If you have a comment, question, or an idea for a program, email Vashon at excellence at fedoraoutlier.com. And visit fedoraoutlier.com if you'd like to purchase any of the products you hear advertised on the program. And for more great podcasts from the Delivering Access team, visit deliveringaccess.net. Check back again next time for more Outliers. Until then, thanks again for listening, and let's change the world together.